Hands up our plates Papa's saying grace Louisiana living sweet as sugar Welcome to the Story Table, brought to you by Providence Church in Lake Providence, Louisiana, where they want you to know that you are loved. Sierra Story Chapter 13 The phone was ringing as Sonny felt his way into the dark kitchen. He reached for the receiver with one hand, fumbling it across the bar while he hit the light switch with his other and hollered into the phone. Hello? We found her. Where are y'all? Is she okay? At the hospital. Jim paused slightly. The doctor says she'll be fine. Sonny's knees almost buckled beneath him as the sweet relief flooded in. I'll be right there. Sonny? Yeah. Jim hesitated, cursing himself silently, wishing he'd waited on this. What, Jim? Tell me. Sonny, she can't see. Sonny swept his hand across the bar in a white-hot rage, sending picture frames crashing to the floor around him. I'm coming, he said. Elaine sat at the end of the row of chairs, wiping her eyes and wringing her hands. The thought of her baby at the top of that tower for hours, holding on for dear life, scared to move because she couldn't see, and scared to death because she couldn't see. Elaine couldn't imagine what Sierra had gone through. Thank God for that fisherman. If his motor hadn't stalled, he never would have heard her crying. She could still be out there. Lolly leaned against the hospital wall, trying to hold on to the hope the doctor had given them. Her eyes could improve. That's what he'd said. Luke paced up and down in front of the row of chairs. His grandfather watched him anxiously. Tell me again, why is he in there? Luke threw the question out for anyone. Jim waited, but Elaine and Lolly just looked at him with miserable expressions. I've told you, Luke. He said after he took a deep breath. He came with us. He asked to see her. Y'all hadn't made it yet, so she said she would see him. It's only been a minute. Now, why don't you try and calm down, son? I can't calm down. We weren't here because we were out looking for her. Luke's voice broke. Anyway, it's been longer than that. We're her family, for God's sake. I don't get... Daddy! Lolly jumped up and ran past Luke. He turned around as she threw her arms around her daddy's neck. Elaine sent Luke a pleading look. Sonny gave his son a reassuring smile while he smoothed Lolly's hair. Where is she, Jim? he asked. Room 316, but... But what? Sonny was already walking in the direction Jim pointed. Charles Carpenter is in there with her. Sonny stopped and frowned at his father-in-law. Jim hurried to explain. He was at the house when they found her, and he came with us. Sonny didn't wait to hear any more. The nurse frowned at Charles, grudgingly allowing him two minutes with a warning not to upset her patient. So, Charles said after she left the room, how are you, really? Sierra's blank eyes were disquieting. I've been better, she said wryly. Charles pulled the chair up to the bed and took her hand. I can't believe you asked to see me, 
He silently kicked himself for his choice of words. It's okay, Sierra said. Are you totally blind? No, not really. I can see light. I can make out movement. That's about it. They say it might get clearer, and it might not. Sierra paused briefly. But that's not what I want to talk about. There are some things I need to say. Not now, Cece. You need your rest. No, I've got to say this. Her gaze hovered around him, but not exactly at him. I had a lot of time to think on top of that platform. It must have been so horrible. Sierra bit her lip. Yeah, it was. But in a way, I'm glad it happened. Glad? I don't understand. Sierra's hospital door was slightly ajar. Sonny was about to push it open when he heard his wife's voice. Charles, she said softly. Sonny hesitated. I realized something up there before my eyes started going. It got even clearer afterwards when I thought I was going to die. Sonny froze. Charles Carpenter had his back to him, and he was holding one of Sierra's hands. His wife rushed on, unaware. When I got your first email this summer, I was surprised and scared. But then once we wrote back and forth a couple of times, it was like my real life started slipping away and I was 19 and in love again. Sonny couldn't breathe. Emails. In love again. So he'd been right all along. I know what you mean, Charles said. It's like the years in between didn't matter. Sonny didn't need to hear any more. He took a different way back to the lobby, avoiding the waiting room. He didn't want to see anyone, especially the twins. His heart ached in his chest. I'll be there, he promised the twins silently. But not now. He knew they would have to know soon enough, but it wouldn't be from him. But they do matter, Charles. They do. Sarah's protest was immediate. Only if we let them. Sarah shook her head slowly. Please, she begged, hear me out. This morning, after you told me what my mother did, I was more confused than ever, and angrier, too. I wanted to believe she was the reason we weren't together. I wanted to give myself a way out, a reason to think I had a right to think the way I did about you. So you admit it. You do have feelings for me still. Yes, she said. Charles smiled satisfactorily, but not the way you mean. Charles, you were my first real love, and I will always have feelings for you. I know that now. But the love I felt for you then is nothing compared to what Sonny and I have today. I don't believe you. That's your choice. Sierra let the words hang between them before she continued. I thought a lot about choice today. We all have choices, Charles, and I've made a lot of foolish ones lately. Ironically, I made them mostly because I thought all my choices were over. Charles sighed. I should let you rest. You're not making any sense. Yes, I am. Just listen. I'd been feeling hemmed in, like there were walls around me and no place for me to go. And then today, I saw the walls in a different way, more like markers that give my life direction. Sierra knew she was asking him to absorb a lot. She tried again. 
We've both made choices, she explained patiently, that brought us to where we are. But sometimes life doesn't turn out exactly like you planned, and if you start thinking about it like I did, you can convince yourself that you didn't make them, that other people made the choices for you, like your mother. Yes, like my mother, Sarah agreed. But I was wrong. The truth is, I did make choices. We both did. I chose my life with Sonny, just like I chose not to stay with you. Charles got up and walked toward the window. Sarah tried to follow his fuzzy outline, but her neck felt stiff and her head throbbed. She wanted her family. She had to make him understand first. I'm not staying with Sonny because I don't have a choice, Charles. I know that now. I'm choosing to stay because I love him. Charles returned to Sierra's side. And me? What about our feelings for each other? I love you. No. No, Sierra said. You love who I used to be, the girl I was in college. I can't be that girl for you any more than you can erase the pain I've been carrying. I'm sorry if life hasn't turned out like you expected so far, but it's not over. There's a whole world out there, Charles. I know what you're doing. Letting myself think about us, it was a way to go backwards, to wipe away the bad things that have happened. But don't you see? It wipes away the good things, too. What we had was special, but I won't give up what I have now to try to recapture it. Sarah's voice trailed off. She didn't know if she had made any sense. So the grass is always greener type of thing. Is that it? Joel said sarcastically. Yes, but more than that. Charles, Sarah's voice was tender. I want you to be happy too. Don't live in the past. Get on with living, please. Find someone that's free to love you. Charles leaned over the bed and kissed Sierra gently on her forehead, holding his lips to her skin one last time. You sound really sure of all this, he said at last. I told you once before and I'll tell you again. Sonny is a good man. I really mean that. I can see why you love him. He turned around at the door. Do you think it would be okay if I called to check on you? Sarah hated it. He was hurt, and what she was going to say would hurt more, but they both needed a clean break. Probably not, she whispered. Charles hesitated. I'll get Sonny, he said, after a long pause, his voice almost breaking. Goodbye, Sierra. Goodbye, Charles. She heard the door shut behind him. What's Sonny doing leaving? Judy Nolan looked over her shoulder as she tore into the hospital parking lot. He must be going to get some clothes, she thought to herself. She parked quickly and jogged to the lobby. The doors of the elevator opened before Judy could punch the button. She was still out of breath when Charles Carpenter stepped out. Hello, Judy, he said evenly. Judy stalked past him quickly, grunting a hello. Take care of her, Charles said. She'll need you all. Did that mean he was leaving? Judy wondered. He looked like, well, she couldn't decide what he looked like. And the doors closed before she could answer. Judy found Elaine alone in the waiting room. 
oh miss elaine she said putting her arms around the older woman's shoulders i'm so sorry what happened i haven't been able to find out anything judy was frightened when elaine looked up her eyes looked like she had been crying for days how bad is it well it's not good but they say she's out of danger for the most part elaine looked like there was more much more what is it the doctors think it's an aneurysm they're going to do a scan on her brain they think it's been there a while pressing on her optic nerve they say it started bleeding she could have died if it had ruptured completely jim walked in the room with a cup of hot coffee for his wife she took it in both hands and stared down into the dark liquid hello judy jim said quietly hello judy hated to ask more questions but she couldn't stop herself her eyes she left the question hanging jim chose his words carefully with one eye on elaine right now it's not so good she's legally blind although she can make out shapes and shadows which she couldn't do when they found her the doctors say there's good reason to hope with that the nerve might not have any permanent damage if so, it could recover. The next few days would tell them a lot. Surgery. Jim stood and stretched his long arms and legs. We don't know right now. The doctor tells us there are several ways to treat it, depending on what they find out from the scan. If possible, they wait to see if it'll go down on its own. If not, there are medicines that can help, and in some cases, they do have to have surgery. Judy nodded. They sat quietly for a minute or so. How's Sonny and the kids? Judy asked. They're doing pretty good. They're in there with her now. Jim saw the surprise on Judy's face. What? he asked. Well, I saw Sonny leaving when I was driving up. Charles Carpenter was right behind him. Elaine and Jim stared at each other. Charles had come by and told them goodbye only a minute or so after Sonny headed towards Sierra's room. They must have seen each other. Jim and Elaine had assumed Sonny was still in there with the twins. Elaine leaned over, propping her elbow on the arm of the chair. She rested her head in her hand and resumed crying. God help us, Jim said quietly. Lolly motioned to Luke. Their mom looked like she was almost asleep. Come on, Lolly whispered. We should let her rest. Sarah's eyes fluttered open at the sound of her daughter's voice. Sonny, she said, raising her head up toward the door. No, ma'am, Lolly whispered. It's still us. Daddy must be in the waiting room with Grandma and Grandpa. Sarah frowned. Or he might not have heard yet, Luke offered. You know, he was out looking, too. Neither he nor his sister wanted to tell Sierra their dad had already been to the hospital and that he had obviously left without talking to her. What they both wanted to know was why and where did he go. Do you want us to send Grandma and Grandpa in? Luke asked. No, Sierra snapped, immediately regretting her tone. I mean, I really think I just want to rest. Luke and Lolly frowned at each other. There was so much going on, and they didn't have a clue about any of it. Sure, Lolly said, whatever you want, Mom. 
She leaned down and kissed her mom on the cheek. I love you. I love you too, Luke said from the other side of the bed. He kissed his mom and squeezed her hand. You rest now, okay? Sierra managed a tired smile. I love you guys. Please tell your dad to come in. Luke waited until he knew they were out of earshot. So, Law, what do you think? What's going on? Lolly put her finger to her lips as they passed the nurse's station. Beats me, she whispered a few yards down the hall. She doesn't want to see Grandma and Grandpa, but they want to see her. She wants to see Daddy, and he didn't even go in the room. Something's bad wrong. Yeah, well, you can't tell me that Charles guy didn't have something to do with it. Lolly didn't argue the point. Something made Daddy leave, she wondered. What was it? They walked the rest of the way back to the waiting room in silence. The twins were happy to find Judy with their grandparents. As long as they could remember, she had been like a second mom to them. The best thing about their Aunt Judy was there was never any mystery with her. What you saw was what you got. It's going to be okay, Judy said, hugging both of them to her side. Yeah, Luke agreed half-heartedly. Lolly rested on Judy's shoulder an extra moment. It's our turn. We won't be long, kids, Elaine said. She and Jim started towards the door. Lolly stuttered. Mom is, um, resting. She looked at her brother for help, but he was scrutinizing his tennis shoes. Oh, we know, darling, her grandmother said, forcing a smile. We'll only stay a minute. Why don't you two go on home and see if you can help your dad pack? I, I imagine he went to get close to stay overnight. Her cheery tone fooled no one. Grandma, Lolly called. Jim and Elaine paused at the door. Yes? Mom said, well, she said she didn't want to see y'all right now. Lolly tried to soften the words. She wanted to rest. We sort of promised. Lolly's voice trailed off uncomfortably. Elaine and Jim got the picture at the same time. Why, sure, Jim said agreeably. She's had a long, long day. He looked at Elaine. Why don't we go down to the cafeteria and get a bite to eat while she rests? Elaine sat back down without answering. Judy wiggled uncomfortably as the room fell silent. After a moment, she got up and grabbed her purse. I should make some phone calls, she blurted, scooting quickly out the door before anyone could remind her of the phone sitting in the corner of the room. Luke looked around nervously, waiting for his sister to take the bull by the horns. She patiently met his gaze, obviously willing to wait him out. When he couldn't stand it any longer, he addressed his grandfather. What's wrong between y'all and mom, he asked, point blank. Jim examined his fingernails. For a moment, it didn't look like he was going to answer. I don't think this is the time, Lolly disagreed. We should know. Yes, you should, Elaine answered, and we promise to tell you at home. Just not now, please. The twins exchanged almost identical expressions of resignation. Okay, Luke said, we'll be at home. He and Lolly got up to leave. Their grandparents stood, hugging them both goodbye.
So, Lolly asked her grandfather, y'all didn't see Daddy leave? No, sweetie, we didn't. But I'm sure everything's okay. He must have been in a hurry to get something for your mom. He'll be back. You'll see. Luke and Lolly made weak efforts to smile before turning to leave, their grandfather's words having done nothing to alleviate their concern. What sort of mission could that have been, Lolly wondered to herself. She trailed her brother out of the hospital silently. They walked to the jeep like wounded soldiers. Sonny wanted to get out of his truck and run to him, but he couldn't. They moved slowly, their eyes fixed straight ahead. Neither of them noticed their dad's truck parked several rows over. Sonny saw Lolly's face clearly beneath the glare of a light pole as she turned to her brother with a few short words. Her face was pale and washed clean of makeup. They looked like little kids again. What was she thinking, Sonny fumed. He had always known Sierra to be a devoted mother. Even if she didn't love him any more, hadn't she thought about what she was doing to her children? What would they have to know, and when? Wasn't it enough they had to see her in this condition? What would they do when they knew about Charles? At the same time, Sonny wondered what there was to know. And just how far had things gone? After the little scene he witnessed in Sierra's room, Sonny had left the hospital and drove around aimlessly. When he finally came back and parked, he told himself it was for one reason only. He had to know more about Sierra's condition. Regardless of the pain tearing at his insides. You're a fool, he thought. The signs were all there. Sonny waited for the twins to pull out of the lot before he went inside to find the doctor. You want to do what? Dr. Wyland asked incredulously. You heard me. A paternity test. Jim searched his old friend's face. This was hard. He and Matthew had raised their families together. Matthew Wyland's thick gray eyebrows were lifted in surprise. Although the two men were roughly the same age, Jim looked years younger. The good doctor had the pasty look of someone living under fluorescent lights. What about Elaine? Dr. Wyland asked. She doesn't have to know either. I want this strictly between us. I don't know, Jim. You're asking me to do a paternity test on Sierra without her or her mother's permission? Matthew Ryland rubbed his forehead in consternation. I'm not sure it's ethical, and even if it is, it just doesn't feel right. Jim pleaded with him. Come on, Matthew. I wouldn't ask you if there was any other way. I can't go into it all now. Please don't ask me. I wouldn't, Matthew interrupted. Well then, will you do it? Matthew Wyland looked at his old friend, concerned for the desperation that twisted his features. I guess, he said, hesitantly, but why not tell them, if you don't mind me asking? I told Sierra I was willing to take it, but she won't ask me to. I know she won't. She needs to know, Matthew, but she'll never admit that. Admit what, Sonny said as he walked up on the two men. Jim startled. Dr. Wyland waited for his friend's lead. Suddenly, Jim was very tired of secrets. She won't admit that she wants a paternity test, Sonny. I've asked Matthew here to do it without telling Sierra or Elaine. Sierra has a right to know who her father is. You're her father, Jim, 
the only one she's ever known. Don't do this to yourself. I have to. Jim's determination was unwavering. Sonny respected that. He wished he knew with as much certainty what he was supposed to do now. He turned to the doctor. My wife, Dr. Wyland, what's going on with her? I need you to fill me in, please. Judy stuck her head around the door and into the room. What some people won't do for attention. Sarah managed a weak smile. Hey, Judy, she said, turning her head in the direction of the familiar voice. Hey, pal, you don't look so good. Judy pecked Sierra on the cheek and pulled up a chair close to the bed. Mighty nurse out there says I got two minutes. I've never said anything in two minutes. Sarah tried to smile, but a tear rolled down her cheek instead. Judy was instantly repentant, grabbing her friend's hand. Hey, Cece, look, I'm sorry. You must be so scared. You know, stupid me, just trying to lighten the moment. It's okay. Sarah sniffed. It's not what you think. You don't know. Her tortured voice trailed off. I think I do know. I talked to your parents. About? Judy's face screwed up in confusion. About the aneurysm and your eyes. You mean there's more? Sierra laughed sourly. Yeah. Believe it or not, a whole lot more. Her eyes filled with tears, and Judy waited for Sierra to decide if she wanted to talk about it. My parents might not be my parents, after all. Not both of them, anyway. Judy stared at Sierra in surprise. Sierra twisted the white cotton sheet between her fingers. It seems my mom and I have more in common than I ever thought. She had an affair, Judy, and they never did a fraternity test. Judy couldn't stand it any longer. A paternity test? You mean, you don't know if... I don't know if my dad's my real father. Yeah, that's about the sum of it. Whoa, Judy said. Whoa is right. The two women sat in silence. Judy watched Sierra's chin quiver slightly. She looked like a dam was about to burst. Sonny was here at the hospital, Sierra said. One of the nurses saw him, but he didn't come in my room. I haven't even talked to him. Really? Judy searched about frantically for something to say. Um, maybe he came in and you were sleeping and he didn't want to wake you. Her voice was as hollow as the excuse. Nice try, Judy. I think he knows. Knows what? He knows I betrayed him. Judy was stunned. She swallowed hard. You and Charles... No, Sierra said, but I might as well have. I was thinking about it, and I think Sonny knows that. He must know, or else he'd be here. But betraying him and just thinking about it, that's different. Sierra closed her heavy eyelids before answering, Is it really? Does it hurt less to know someone wants to betray you than it does if they find a way to do it? Sarah didn't pause for an answer, so Judy didn't venture one. If you jeopardize something precious, does it matter if you do it with thoughts and words or actions? I don't know, Judy admitted, but if you didn't actually betray him and he thinks you did, 
I mean, you've got to straighten this out now before things get any worse. Before Sierra could answer, the door opened suddenly and Mighty Nurse swept in. I'm going to have to ask you to leave, she said to Judy roughly. My patient needs her rest. Judy wasn't inclined to argue. The woman looked more like George Foreman than Florence Nightingale. Mighty Nurse busied herself taking Sierra's vitals. Judy was clearly dismissed. Sonny recognized Judy's handwriting on the paper taped to the nursery door. It read simply, closed unto further notice, please pray for owner. He stuck the key in the lock and let himself in. The shop overwhelmed him. The mingled scents of pine and fir creating the familiar smell that always hung around Sierra during the holiday season. The memory twisted in his gut. Dr. Wyland had answered his questions about Sierra's health. Sonny didn't know who he could trust to tell him where her heart was. Sonny walked to the little office at the back of the building where more of Sierra overwhelmed him. Extra shoes, an overcoat, pictures of him and the kids, each individual object banded together to assail him. He hesitated before taking a seat behind the desk. He felt like a trespasser. I have every right, he told himself, hitting the power button on Sierra's computer. Sonny scanned the desk while he waited for the system to boot up. He picked up a Percy Sledge CD case. It was empty. He'd never known Sierra to be a Percy Sledge fan. It's probably Judy, Sonny thought. He laid the case down as Sierra's desktop finished loading on the screen. He clicked on the internet connection and jumped to her mail page. Sierra's mailbox was empty. He didn't bother clicking the Get Mail button. What he was searching for had come months before when his head was in the sand, busy trying to support a family, a family he didn't know was falling apart. Sonny remembered an expression his dad used when Sonny was a little boy, something about painting the porch while the house was on fire. He clicked on Sierra's trash bin, fully expecting it to be empty as well. To his surprise, it loaded up 50-something old messages. Sonny scrolled backwards, alternating between praying he wouldn't find what he was looking for and hoping he would. Bingo, he muttered bitterly. She didn't even bother destroying them. He ran backwards until he found what seemed to be the start of the letters. When a man loves a woman, can't keep his mind on nothing else, he'd trade the world for the good thing he's found. Sonny read the mocking lyrics with his teeth clenched so hard his jaw began to ache. A nerve jumped at his temple. He read several more before he punched the button at the top of Sierra's CD tower. The little drawer slid out and delivered the missing tape. Tears welled up in his eyes as he pictured his wife rereading another man's words with the music of their love song filling the shop. Sonny forced himself to keep reading. Even though he only had Charles's half of their correspondence, his imagination was painfully quick in supplying Sierra's replies. The last email was the hardest on Sonny. In it, Charles wrote he was coming to find out how much Sierra loved her husband. Sonny wondered what her reply had been. He wiped the tears from his face and propped his elbows on the desk, burying his face in his hands. 
The chimes sounded on the nursery door, barely registered in Sonny's tortured thoughts. He sighed heavily as footsteps crossed the showroom and neared the office. We're closed, he called out. I know, Charles said. Sonny watched the man come right on in, stopping only when he got to the front of the desk. Sonny's voice was low and threatening. You've got some nerve. Let me explain. Sonny rose and came around the desk, approaching Charles with a burning hatred in his eyes. He stopped inches away and narrowed his blue eyes. I'll tell you what I'll let you do. Live. And that's only if you get out of this office and out of our lives. Charles never flinched. You should be with your wife, he said. Sonny stared at him. It was inconceivable for one man to be so arrogant. Out to kill you. Sonny uttered the words in slow, clipped syllables. Charles nodded. Yeah, maybe so, but you wouldn't hear what I've come to say. I heard enough at the hospital. I know. Elaine and Jim told me you came to the room. It didn't take much to see you got everything screwed up. Sonny threw the first punch, catching Charles dead in the mouth. Charles's bottom lip began to bleed, and Sonny reacted like a wild animal crazed with the scent of blood. He knocked Charles to the floor and climbed on his chest, railing blow after blow on the other man's face. Charles struggled to defend himself. I didn't come to fight, Charles said haltingly. His breathing labored as the two men struggled, rolling over and over in Sierra's tiny office. Sonny's head banged against the legs of the sofa. That's too bad, Sonny muttered as he rolled back on top. He took Charles's neck in his hands and began to clamp down. It felt good. He liked the feel of his fingers squeezing the breath out of the man's lungs. He could see the panic rising in Charles's eyes. Daddy! Daddy! Don't! Suddenly, Luke was pulling on his shoulders, trying to make him stop. Sonny looked up. Lolly stood at the office door. The look on her face made Sonny nauseous. He rolled off of Charles and crawled onto the couch. Lolly ran to his side. Charles pulled himself over onto his knees, gasping for air. After a minute, he sat back and leaned against the office wall. Blood ran from a place on his forehead and a cut on his lip. The only noise in the room was Lolly's soft crying. Sonny finally looked up and spoke to Luke. Take your sister home, he ordered, raising a hand to cut off his son's protest. It's okay, he added. Charles and I need to talk. Luke's expression was uncertain. Doesn't look like y'all were talking. I'm scared, Lolly said, burying herself farther in her dad's embrace. He could feel her heart racing as she pressed against him. Sonny patted her silky blonde head. It's okay, Law. Everything will be all right. How can you say that? Because it's true. I'll always be here for you. Now, help me. I love you, but I need you to go with your brother, please. After a little more prompting, the twins grudgingly followed their dad's wishes. The office was quiet for several moments as the men listened to the jeep fade away. Charles spoke first. I don't know what you thought you heard at the hospital, Sonny. Thought? Sonny raised his eyebrows. She was telling me to leave, Sonny. She doesn't love me. 
I'm so sorry, Sonny muttered sarcastically. Charles stood to his feet. Yeah, so am I. She chose you. She made that perfectly clear. I'll be leaving tomorrow morning. Charles stopped at the office door. Funny thing, I like you, Sonny. If the circumstances were different, who knows, we might have been good friends. Sonny's eyes were far from friendly. I guess this is where we're supposed to shake hands, he said. Well, excuse me if I'm not up to it. Sonny wanted to ask Charles how far things had gone before Sierra had come to her saintly decision. He wanted to know what his wife had needed to know before she chose. Had she needed to kiss them both, to hold them both, or did she figure it out on paper, making neat little columns where she added up all their good points and their bad points? Maybe they had played their little love song while they held each other on this very couch. Charles seemed to be waiting for something more. What are you waiting for? Sonny spat the words out. What else do you want me to say? Thanks for leaving my wife with me? Y'all have had a little more time than I have to get used to this, you know. Besides, I'm just a dumb farmer, remember? You're supposed to be the big smart reporter. That was real. I still plan to use your quotes. Oh, well, thanks, Sonny said, his voice dripping with ridicule. That makes it all worth it. The men looked at each other for a long moment. There was nothing left to say. Sonny's eyes followed Charles into the larger room. Slowly, he rose from the couch and came to stand in front of the plate glass window where he watched the fancy Yukon drive away and wondered what he would have done if Luke and Lolly had not shown up when they did.